All right, here we go. Episode 202 of Living Off the Land. What's up, you guys? This is Dan here with Steven. Twitterless Steve is with me, as always. How you doing? Hey, what's going on? It is Tuesday night, and you know you what, know that, what means. that means. We are here for another episode of LOTL. And uh, start right off the bat, full disclosure, uh, <laughs> as we were walking into the studio, I realized I forgot to buy beer for this week. So I went into my fridge. And, uh, what? Forgot to buy beer. Yeah. What? I, I did. Well, so, so, I'm going to blame you, actually, because you don't drink beer. I can't taste my beer! <laughs> when we had, when it when was when it was the other guys, we all rotated. So, I just, mm. I, I, I don't know, I was thinking like I was back in the old days of the podcast when it wasn't my week to buy, I guess, so, I don't know. All you gotta do is tell me to buy beer. I'll buy beer. Oh, get out! Know. You don't. You're not gonna. I'm not have to get, make you buy something you don't drink. That's nonsense. <laughs> I just forgot this week. Whatever. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I am, however, enjoying uh, the last uh, Cosmic Haze Double Hazy IPA from Market Garden Brewery that I had on the podcast the first week of the new era of living off the land. That was the week that uh, I was just by myself, basically, and uh, yeah. So I uh, saw so I had still had one uh, in the fridge, so I am partaking. All right. <sighs> Delicious. This is such a good beer. Um, if you want to know more about Cosmic Haze from Market Garden, you can go back to uh, episode... Oh, I don't remember. It was back in January. Uh, <laughs> uh, the exact episode, I don't remember what, which one it is. But it's it's about, like, what, how many episodes have you been on so far? Uh, I think this is my, what, sixth or seventh at this point. Okay, yeah. so. I think it's my seventh. Seventh, so it would be eight episodes ago. So 194 uh, would be the one. So go back and listen to that. You can uh, hear my review. I believe I gave it, like, an 8.2. Uh, it's a very high score. It's just a, such a good beer. But that's the beer of the week. A little bit of a retread, but that's okay. There's only so many beers that can go around, so you know, take a week off. Eh, it's okay. Just deal with it. Just know that this beer is really good, and you should go out and try it. All right. So uh, we've got a very special uh, edition of Better Know a Neighborhood this week. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. Um, St. Patty's Day is this week. It's Thursday of this week, uh, March 17th. And it's going to mark probably the first major holiday that it really feels like we're back to normal. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would agree with that because every time it felt like we were out of the pandemic, yeah. uh, another variant would strike. Yeah, you know, with I know with for I know for me even this past year with Delta in the yeah. summer and then Omicron in the late fall and winter. Yeah, you know some people would say that that uh, New Year's was, because a lot of people went out for New Year's and all that. I know for me personally, the Christmas New Year's uh, week was an absolute disaster for my family. Everybody in my family had COVID, except for me, funny enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, so my, my Christmas and New Year's were spent basically doing nothing. So Same here. Irene yeah. and I were in isolation with her about to give birth. Yeah. So. Yeah, a little, uh, little Scarlet. Shout out. Yes. Um, so, 
to me, this is this is basically the first major holiday where we're saying, you know what? Not that COVID's done because it's still out there somewhere, but it's just like, you know what? We just don't care anymore. We're back to normal. There's no more mask mandates. There's no more none of that stuff. And uh, yeah, I think I think Cleveland's gonna let it all hang out this week. Uh, I'm not sure yet what I'm gonna do uh, this weekend, but um, maybe I'll maybe I'll have some plans made during this segment because Steve's gonna tell us all about St. Patty's Day in Cleveland. Yeah. So this is citywide. <coughs> Obviously, it's gonna focus a little bit more in toward the the core of it in downtown. But uh, there's lots of stuff going on the on Thursday. Thursday, it's a thir- It's gonna be warm. It's gonna be almost seventy degrees. Oh yeah, that's another which thing. Is the weather this week is going to be awesome. About nine years or ten years ago, we had a St. Patrick's Day where it was up about seventy degrees, and it was on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy in Cleveland. The entire, I just, I couldn't even believe. Cleveland police had a very busy day. Let's <laughs> let's just put it that way. But uh, yeah, hopefully people will. You know the the. It won't be just beyond ridiculously crazy. People will actually, you know, just behave themselves to some degree here. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be warm. It's going to be a thirsty Thursday. It's going to be a great time uh, all over the city. And starting with the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade, which is going to start on East 18th Street and Lakeside Avenue and make its way into Public Square. That starts at 1 o'clock. Which is a big event because we have not had this in, in the city in three years. No, we haven't. We have not and, had, and and, and as this, you said, St. Patrick's Day was in 2020 was the first holiday we had after canceled. COVID began. Yeah, it was the, it was the first. You know, well, the the MAC tournament was actually the first event canceled in the city. I think that was the same week. It was yes. Um, it's the week prior actually. But uh, yeah, it was the first major like citywide like cultural event that was canceled in March of 2020. And um, I remember being really bummed about it just because, you know, it was – we didn't know how serious COVID was going to get at that point. No, we you didn't. You know, we were, we were still thinking like, hey, let's just shut everything down for two weeks. You know, let the – you know, as they called it, uh, flatten the curve. And, uh, you know, we'll be back. We'll be back in no time. L- Little did we know that we were going to have years. like four or five different curves to have to flatten. Yeah. Um, but – like people don't a lot of a lot of people don't realize just how big St. Patty's Day is in the city of Cleveland. This is a huge deal in the city. Major. I would say probably outside of Chicago, it's probably the biggest Midwestern city. Uh it's probably the the Cleveland puts on the biggest shebang for uh Midwestern cities. You know, obviously Boston and New York and you know, stuff. Those are, I would those be are willing to put it top five in the country, actually. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, because I, I don't, I don't think you really, I don't think you really deal with it much out west. Very the much. only cities that are clearly in front of Cleveland in this regard are Chicago, Boston, and New York City. Yeah. Aside from that, I yeah. Mean, I mean, you can I mean make maybe an Philadelphia. For, you can make an argument for Philly. You Pittsburgh. Even, you, eh, come on, <laughs> really? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the only other city I'd put close. Maybe Columbus? My, no, but actually, it'd probably be Miami, just because really? of you know, just because of all the displaced northeasterners in, in okay. South Florida and the fact that it's spring break. But okay, but eh, they're pretty much everywhere else. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say anywhere out west, like nowhere in Texas or anything like that. So. It's it's a midwestern thing. There's just so many Irish people in the Midwest in this country. Um, 
and Irish people that celebrate their heritage. I mean, you know, obviously in the near Chicago area, you got Notre Dame. That's mm-hmm. a huge thing. Everybody who's who calls themselves uh I bet South Bend, Indiana puts on a, a probably party. Probably. I bet I bet the University of Notre Dame does. Now. Um so yeah, it's uh it's just I, I just want to say I it's just it's such a huge thing for Cleveland. And I think it's really really interesting that it's it's essentially like the 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 first big like holiday celebration back where we're not really worried quote unquote about the effects it might have on like COVID. Right. So. So anyway, you so you mentioned the parade. So anyway, the, yeah, the parade in Cleveland again starts at East 18th Street and goes uh, down Lakeside Avenue and then uh, turns up toward Public Square, uh, finishing at Rockwell and uh, Ontario Street. And it turns out our friends down in Akron they have their own parade going on at the same time. Actually, actually, just starts an hour before at noon. Uh, the parade in Akron, it's the same thing. Uh, the first one in three in three years starts at Cedar and Main Street in Akron, and then goes northbound to South Main Street and Bowery Street, finishing at Lock Three. Um, so that uh, ancient order of Hibernians uh, then hosts a post parade party at Lock Three. So that's a uh, so if you're if you're down in Summit County, that's uh, that might be a little bit closer to you geographically. That might be a good one to go to. Uh, heading back up into Cleveland, you've got uh, you have some major events going on at, at the bars and various restaurants through the city, and some of these are starting as early as 7 and 8 a.m. in the morning. Uh, one prominent one is at Barley House, and they do kegs and eggs starting at 8 a.m., uh, Jameson, Guinness, and other beers flowing from 8 a.m. So <laughs> you, want, I, you want kegs and eggs? Was- Go right ahead. Those are the things that I just I, I just I don't I don't physically I just can't do anymore. <laughs> you know, getting towards the mid thirty oh God, mid thirties, jeez. <laughs> mid thirties and uh you know, just thinking about getting up and starting drinking at eight AM heard of that. Uh just down the street at Flannery's pub on East Fort Street. Great, uh, another, great yeah, Irish pub. Green beer, food menu, a traditional Irish fare, and live music from local Pogues tribute band, the boys from Country Hell. Uh, $5 cover charge on that one. Uh, That's lame. Flatiron Cafe, which is... Uh, where is it? Um, this one starts at... Uh, they do kegs and eggs, but you got to wait. It's like more brunch-ish style there. Uh, starts at 11 a.m., uh, which means that you could also get fish and chips with your kegs and eggs if you fish want to. Chips! Fish and chips. Fish and chips. That's that's an inside joke. And the Clu- the Cleveland firefighters. You think mo- he's you think he's listening? Fish and chips. I, I he might be. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Oh man! If you went to Strasville High School, I hope you and you're around our age. Please tell me you get that reference. I know there are some some some, ki- some guys we some guys and gals we went to uh, high school with. Uh, that listen to this podcast. <laughs> Fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> the Cleveland Firefighters Memorial Pipes and Drums will be on hand at the Flatiron Cafe to perform. Uh, so if you like if you like bagpipes, that'll Flatiron. Uh, yeah, it's in the west side of the flats. In there, good place. So yes, that's just on the other side of the river. Uh, a couple other places that have stuff going on. Uh, Forest City Brewery is doing an event with okay. uh, Fur Belly Irish Stout on tap and performances by. Austin Walken Kane and bagpiper okay. Kyle Corrigan and traditional Irish dancing from three to five. Very nice. 
So, and then, uh, but before we get, before I forget, uh, the one I need to mention, it's not in, uh, in and around downtown Cleveland, mm-hmm. is, uh, I'm sure you were going to get to it, but, uh, PJ McIntyre's. That's, oh, oh, gosh. Absolutely. And out in Cam's Corners. My favorite, my shout out, I want to get them on the podcast. Uh, my favorite Irish folk band, uh, Mary's Lane. Mm-hmm. They always play, they play Fox 8 News in the morning on St. Paddy's Day, and they always play, PJ McIntyre's at, at in the evening. It's so much fun. They are so great. If you're a little bit further out, we're going back to the south again. Um, if you're down in Medina County, down in the Medina Square, Gandalf's Pub is another uh, traditional Irish pub, and they is Ganondorf going to be there? Oh, well, Gandalf. Well, Gandalf is uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's right. My. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> G- Ganondorf's a little dark skinned to be an Irishman. Yeah, so he's yeah. from the desert. Ganon, Ganondorf and Ganon. It's Ganon. For whatever reason, I thought Ganondorf and Gandalf. No, nah. you're an idiot, Dan. Anyway, at Gandalf's pub, the uh, their celebration goes off again with hearty Irish breakfast in the morning. Uh, but they have an all-day menu featuring beef, red potato stout Sioux, corned beef, and all sorts of other stuff um, that you can have, plus music and bagpipers. Are you a... And- uh, Irish dancing as well. Are you a big corned beef guy? I, I do like corned beef. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe not my favorite meat, but uh, but definitely on St. Patrick's Day, I'll embark on that. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe maybe making some, maybe put some in the some in the uh, crock pot or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. Hey. But, uh, but yeah. Sounds good. Uh, looking further down again, you've got... The- You've got other spots, of course. Great Lakes Brewing Company is having their own events. Uh, Gormley's Pub, which is also in Cleveland, they're having their event. Yep. Irish DJ Jim, Jimmy Stamper is actually going to be at Gormley's Pub from 3 p.m. till whenever. Let's go. So, uh, over at Grog Shop in Cleveland Heights. Let's go. Love the Grog it's Shop. It's a pot of gold with four electric parties in one day. Interesting. Starting with music and dancing from Boots and Cats at 2 o'clock, and then an R&B house party boots at 4 p.m. Boots and Cats and Boots and, then and Cats and Boots DJ and Cats. DJ Yami Yam presides over Wavy Thursday at 8 o'clock, and then the day is fit, capped off by Irish folk band The Thousands taking the stage at 10 p.m. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. That's a twenty-seven eighty-five Euclid Heights Boulevard in Cleveland Heights. I can tell you that's it's an right, easy. It's right by Coventry. If, if you don't know how to beatbox, just go boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. <laughs> I don't remember where I learned that. Over towards Detroit Shoreway, um, Irish pub, the Harp. <laughs> yes, right off of the Shoreway. They yeah. are having their the Harp live, is great. They're having their live music. They it says that they are. They have their heated tent, but I don't know if they're even going to need it, seeing as it's 70 degrees. Yeah, very, yeah, true. Um, celebration uh, headlined by the boys from Country Hell, who are going to be playing from 8 to 10 p.m. Hmm. Of course, the day will start as early as 8 a.m. with traditional Irish breakfast. And then, of course, well, I don't even know why these guys are in this, but uh, I guess Hopper House is turning away from being German to being Irish for the day. Yeah, it's a Hopper House, yeah. Or by Cleveland Day. Do they do shot skis in Ireland? I, I don't know. Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> Except it'll it'll it, it's of Jameson. Uh, oh yeah, probably. Like, yeah, for St. Patrick's Day, we're going to have the green beer. The the Brian Papish party band will be playing from four to eight at Hopper House Cleveland, and then stick around for a special appearance by the Jaeger Girls, post parade, keg tapping, hey giveaways, now. and more. That's at Hopper House Cleveland, just adjacent to. Uh, the theater district and Cleveland State University. 
And then House of Blues is the place to be for pints, partying, and music for the 17th straight year. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know if they were actually doing that for the last two years, but nope. enjoy live music by boys from, well, it looks like boys from Country Hell are playing there too at 10 a.m. So they're actually starting their day at House of Blues and then Very going nice. to Grog Shop later. Sparky B at noon, Billy Morris and the Sunset Strip at 2 o'clock. And then, um, oh, actually, shoot, the thing just, I don't know what my phone <laughs> just did there. My phone just uh, completely reset there. Um, but that's going on. That's going on pretty much, uh, pretty much all throughout the day as well at the House of Blues. Kelly's Pub in Lakewood, another place to possibly check out. I don't think I know where that uh, is. This this place is at thirteen five twenty five Lakewood Heights Boulevard. Okay. Um, not too far off of Bunce Road. Mm. Corned beef, hash, and eggs will start your day, and then uh, corned beef sandwiches, Reuben's traditional corned beef, and cabbage. Will be served for lunch and dinner. Uh, Corned beef hash is so good. And local bagpipers will be performing from noon to 4 p.m. And those same Jägermeister girls that are going to be hitting House of Blues later on will be there in the afternoon. Guinness pints, green beer, and Irish car bombs are being served all day for your happiness. So we've kind of hit a whole bunch of areas. Lakewood, Akron, Medina, Cleveland Heights, and a whole bunch of other places in Cleveland. So basically what we're trying to tell you is There's if no you don't shortage. have plans for St. Paddy's Day yet, just pick a couple of these places and go have yourselves a good time on St. Paddy's Day. Happy St. Paddy's Day to all our Irish friends out there coming up on Thursday. Actually, fun fact, St. Patrick was actually Italian, so I'm going to ca- claim this as one of my days as well. I'm not Irish, but I am Italian. Are they going to be doing stuff like this in Little Italy too? They ought to if they're not. Ah, maybe. Could hmm. be. Who knows? Who knows? And I would be amiss to mention uh, St. Malachi Church and all of the other Irish Catholic churches in the city, which will be holding services uh, in the morning. And in fact, I think St. Malachi has their main service, I think at like 1130, which is like right at perfect time for people to get out afterward and see the parade. Yeah. So. Absolutely. um, St. Malachi, of course, is right by the shoreway on West 25th Street uh, in Ohio City. Well, so that is Better Know a Neighborhood. And even though we did not profile a new neighborhood, we can go ahead and put it on the board. Yes. yes. It's another one to put on the... uh, on the old tracker, that's number seven for us. And uh, we move right along. So, anyway, not only is this week St. Paddy's Day, but every year uh, St. Paddy's Day collides with a whole bunch of stuff in the sports calendar. Well, yeah. I and mean, I'm not sure which one you want to go to first, but uh, we definitely have a lot to talk about. Um, You know what? We're going to talk about. I'm waiting on bated breath here. You listen for the squeaking of the shoes on the court. You're listening for the crisp flick of the net as a three goes in. The onions. <laughs> 
You're also looking for upsets. We're looking for buzzer beaters. We're looking for crowds going crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's March Madness. All right. College basketball, CBS Sports. This is March Madness. All right, settle down, Gus. <laughs> he doesn't do that anymore. So anyway, uh, we are going to go into a couple topics talking about March Madness because it is one of the greatest sporting events that this world has to offer. And we're going to start off. I mentioned buzzer beaters. We are going to start things off with our top five draft. And it's Steve and I, and we're going through our favorite buzzer beaters. So, Steve. All right. You can get the first pick, and you take it away. Take it away. Okay, so this first choice is, oh, man, I, I got it. You know, I, I, I wish I had I wish I had the production value to where I could, like, queue up these buzzer beaters, and we can listen to, like, the calls of them. So one of the great things about the NCAA tournament is, is you, you know, you play the whole – you go through the whole college basketball season. You think you know who's good, and you think you don't know who's good. And then some school you've never even heard of before ends up – you know, doing something incredible, like the fighter sister fighting and, sister jeans. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about them later, but uh, in in this in this first pick here in two thousand six, two thousand six, Northwestern State University in northern Louisiana, in Shreveport, I believe, they had Shout they were a fourteen seed and they had to play against the third seed Iowa Hawkeyes in the first round, and down by two late in the game. They had the ball, and their initial play was kind of broken up by Iowa's defense. But they, but the ball was deflected. But they got the ball back, threw it to a guy in the corner. He puts up a fallaway three, <laughs> with point five of a second left. Goodbye, night night Iowa. Oh, so that doesn't even qualify. That's not a buzzer beat. Well, I guess it is. It Iowa is. had no chance to do anything after it. But so. buzzer beater. <laughs> Buzzer Does it have to be usually, triple zeros? I mean, usually it's when the ball's in the air and you hear. Maybe in this case you didn't hear the buzzer, but it might as well have been. Yeah, I'll, gi- I'll give it to you. I'll give it to All you. All right. Uh, by the way, Kyrie Irving scored 60 points tonight. Oh, my God. Jeez. Is he actually going to be relevant in, <laughs> in a basketball sense again? Uh, uh, well, anyway. Um, no more disappointing team in the NBA this year other than Brooklyn, by the way. And I I still think they might win the NBA championship. Oh, get the hell out of here. Okay, we're not going to go down that river right now. Anyway, uh, I am going to go with the 1983 National Championship game. Oh, my, yes. NC State versus Houston. This is the Jimmy Valvano game when he runs, runs, uh, runs on the court. The reason why I'm picking this is because the shot, had no chance of going in. And little do we know, nobody boxed out and uh I I don't it's 1983. I don't remember the guy's name. But the guy just he he grabs the air ball and just puts it in but right before the buzzer wins and that it goes and that's how you they win the national championship. By an air ball putback because nobody nobody had the had the mind to to box out on that. It was crazy. You see it so many times in basketball. One of the hardest shots to rebound is an air ball. <laughs> Because you're expecting it to yeah. go off the rim or the backboard or something, and you know, when it air balls, it just completely it throws you off. And I yeah. think that's what happened on that play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, yeah. Second pick for you. Well, just to make sure you don't 
take away both of the national championship butter, buzzer You beaters. bastard. This one, 2016, this one I had, in the, I actually had the NC State one as number two on my list. I have this one, number one. Five seconds left in the game. Villanova inbounds the ball. Game's tied against North Carolina. After North Carolina hit a Just ridiculous three yes. to tie the game. Yep. And Archie Diakino feeds Jenkins. This is why, this is why, when when you have the ball for the last shot and it's tied, you never call timeout. Ever. No. If you're losing, okay, maybe. But even then, even I then. wouldn't. But if, if the game is tied, you never, ever, ever call timeout. Just go. You never want to call timeout because the, the other team can throw some exotic defense at you out of the timeout that you're or, not prepared for. Or make for. a substitution or, you know, something. Right. If you just go, they, they can just only go. go straight man or straight zone. Yep. And, you know, away you go. But anyway, Archie Diakonov goes all the way down, lets the court, gets in between Jenkins' defender and his and just casually hands it off to him as he's going by. Jenkins throws up the three at the buzzer. Villanova, national yep. champions 2016. And oddly enough, the two participants in this game ended up winning the national championship each in the next two years, North Carolina in 17 and Villanova again in 18. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, so... Number two for me, I'm going to go to 2017. This was at, I, I, I think this was a second-round game, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, this game went into overtime. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin-Florida. Oh, yes, this was on this my was, list as well. This was the floating three-pointer when the guy takes off from behind the three-point line, shoots it, and by the time he lands, he's at the free-throw line. Yeah. But it counts as a three. Yep. Unbelievable. And just, just, just swished it. And you're thinking like, okay, well, he actually threw it up from inside the key, even though he jumped from behind it. And so, but that is a ridiculously hard shot. If you never tried to make that shot, yeah. go, go and try it in the gym. Right. This is hard. Insane. Insane. He squoofed, he foofed it too, yeah. which was the best part. All right, you got number. You got that your was third number pick. two. Okay, so number three, for me, one of the best teams out of the mid-majors in recent years has been the Racers of Murray State. Okay. And this actually is not on my list. They kind of at the beginning of their ascendancy of, you know, being one of the best small school teams in the country. In 2017, they were a 13 seed and they went up against the 4th seed Vanderbilt. And with them down by one late in the game, they run a play. Their first option was to go to the basket. That got shut off. Guy ends up passing the ball to another guy who's just inside the key who puts up a 17-footer at the buzzer. Swish. <laughs> Murray State defeats Vanderbilt by one, and that was the arguably the upset that really was a big springboard for their program and has continued up to this to this point, and we're going to talk more about them when we fill out the brackets later. Murray State, uh, former co-host Ryan is going to like that one. He's a former Murray State racer. How? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Him and uh, wow. Him and uh, John Morant are uh, are uh, alumni together. Guy who I was just crushed that the Cavaliers did not land a top two pick in that year's draft, but it worked yeah. out okay for the Cavs because they got Darius Garland. So, yep. Uh, okay, here's my number three. I'm gonna go just this past year in mm. the Final Four. Jalen Suggs hitting the three against UCLA to send them to the national championship game. Oh, for the. Uh, was that for wait? Why am I not remember this one? Is this for Baylor? No, Gonzaga. Oh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Jalen okay. Suggs. 
they played they played Baylor in the title game, but mm-hmm. this was this was the Final Four against UCLA. UCLA, who you never really you never really want to equate UCLA as a Cinderella run, but they were the they were an 11 seed right because they've year. been so good historically. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, but they were an 11 seed last year and they went all the way to the Final Four. That is pretty amazing. I, yeah, but Jalen Suggs uh, banked in a three um, in that game, and then because he was over on the side, just got up on the scores table. There wasn't many fans there because of oh, I recall that. Yes. Yeah. What an iconic moment that oh, was! It would have been even better if they went on to actually win the national championship. They lost to Baylor, and it, oh, I, I mean that's that's one of those plays that it probably gets replayed every so often, but it would be yeah. getting replayed oh on God. loop constantly yeah. if they had gone to win the title. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's my third pick. That is your third choice. Yes. Right. So you got round four. Start off. So round number four for me. Yep. So far, we've been talking about you know. Step back jumpers, threes to win games. You know, how about a half court heave? Oh no! 2016 Damn first it. round. No, Texas. No, ties the game on a runner with 2.5 seconds I left. Why did that then? You didn't even you didn't even remember the Gonzaga one. Oh my gosh! Damn well, it! No, I did not have the Gonzaga one on my list. What's hilarious about this one? And I don't think, did you did you mention you mentioned Texas, but you mentioned who actually hit the so Northern this Iowa guy last name Jesperson from Northern Iowa. The hilarious part about this one, go back if you're not if if you're if you're listening right now and you want to like know, go back YouTube this Northern Iowa versus Texas buzzer beater. <laughs> the guy catches it almost at midcourt. There are three Texas players just standing there. Yep. Just standing there, not even attempting to defend him. He just goes he just right around them. Goes around to the left. Puts it up. Throws it up from just beyond the half court. It goes off the backboard and in. Now, now to I guess and to the Texas pandemonium. To, now, I guess to the Texas players' defense, they're like, okay, this guy's really going to make it. It's March Madness. Yeah, he might he might make this. How about you freaking defend him? <laughs> or when you see him start to move laterally, how about you actually defend him so he can't square his body again to the to the basket? Right. Unbelievable. Three guys. Go back and look at that. They're just standing there. Like, oh, the game's over. The guy We're going to overtime. Yeah, the guy oh, wait. And bounce. <sighs> Unbelievable. Man, I'm pissed he took that one. <laughs> oh, all right, here we go. Okay, now what? I was I I was going to literally take that. Okay. Uh Dan's pick number four. So you you can't have a buzzer beater um, discussion and not include this one. Duke versus Kentucky, nineteen ninety two. The shot Christian mm-hmm. Leitner just just parked himself on the free throw line, po- basically posted up at the free throw line. Got the got the pass, did like a little dream shake and turned around and just. Yep, that was an awesome play, and the pass. The pass was better than the shot. I believe the pass from Grant Hill. If yes, I remember correctly. Yeah, I, to to go three quarter court, no more than three quarter court pass to inside the semicircle to to be able to do that. I mean, I mean, if the pass is off even a little bit, the shot doesn't happen. So, I mean, to me, that's even more. But Leitner's shot was still cold blooded. <coughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, your last pick. So my last pick. This Make one, it a good one. Well, this one's pretty iconic. So, 
1998, in the first round, Mississippi actually had one of their best seasons in his, in school history. Oh, you. They were a number four seed, but they had it all come crashing down in the most painful way possible. Up by two late this in the is, game, they made the a stop. This is my first, I, first memory that I can recall of the NCAA tournament and a buzzer beater at March Madness. Mississippi makes a stop, and they're up by two. They go to the foul line. <laughs> but they're but they're but they proceed to miss both free throws. They were up by two, correct? Yes. So if he makes both, so they, they w- it wouldn't. Have, so wouldn't have Valparaiso gets the rebound. They call timeout, and with two point five seconds left, three quarter court pass, and then another little bunny pass to a man named Bryce Drew. Bryce Drew, who takes the ball at at the wing, fires at the buzzer. Yep. And absolutely iconic. Like I, mean, I said, it's the first buzzer beater that I can act like I, I can remember. You can't. It's not. It's almost not possible to lose a game in worse circumstances than that. No. If you had just made a missing a stinking free throws, free throw. missing free throws, <laughs> missing free throws. They're called free for and a reason. And then you couldn't defend a, a length of the court play in two seconds. Like wow. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. I thought I I thought I was going to be able to get away with this to my last pick, and I was correct. Yeah, because this shot was not in the NCAA tournament. Oh, it was in March, so it qualifies. Okay, because our topic was buzzer March Madness buzzer beaters. Okay, this one, Kemba Walker. Oh, you bastard! How did you guess that? Ding. You're not even gonna let me build it up. Oh, cardiac combo. The 2010 Big East Championship. This wasn't or not the Big East tournament. This wasn't the championship game, but I can highlight it because UConn ended up as a as a big underdog. Ended up going through and winning. This is when the Big East was still considered like the best basketball conference in the country. Yep. And Connecticut was having a down year that year, and I don't remember what seed they were in the tournament. But they were not one of the favorites. And Kemba Walker went on a run of all runs that year. And highlighted in this quarterfinal game, I can't remember what it was against. I think it was against Pitt. Pitt, yeah, that sounds right. But he gets gets switched on onto their big guy, and and the crowd comes to their feet because they're like, oh, mismatch, mismatch, you're going to take him right to the hole. He crossed this guy over so bad oh, he that did. he just fell right over. Then he stepped back and put it up, and, you know, the, the garden has, like, a really distinct buzzer. Uh, yeah, very distinct, and he just nails it, and the crowd goes absolutely nuts and, um, you know, and all that stuff. But uh, that was awesome. I, I thought I was getting – well, I did – I did I was able to get that as my fifth pick, but as soon as, as – soon as I, I think as soon as I said it wasn't in the NCAA tournament, I think you kind of, I think you kind of – kind of knew. Well, there was one of two ways I was going to go with that. That was the more well-known one. The the other name I would have thought it could have been would have been Doug Penno, who was yep. who hit a crazy shot off the backboard and in to win the MAC tournament for Miami over Akron in 2007, which was right around the same time frame as that one by Kendall Walker. Yeah. The, um, the the one that the one that I was thinking of, but I could, we're going so far back I couldn't find a YouTube of it. I remember Wally Zerbiak at a buzzer beater in the MAC tournament to. Uh, I actually think that was to help Miami beat BG. Uh, they very well have been actually. Yeah, 
that was before 96 or 97 we were nine and ten years old we had no idea we were going to bg back bowling green actually had a a very good program in the late 90s and early 2000s not anymore um anyway this this talk about the mac actually leads me into my smart ass of the week hey non-sponsored smart ass of the week and i brought to you by living off the land I had to decide which direction I wanted to go on this one, uh, but ultimately I went with my first initial instinct, and my smartass of the week is Mac Commissioner Dr. John Steinbrecher. <laughs> See, so, okay, the Mac tournament was this past week, and in the end you, you had the top eight teams make it to Cleveland, and they played Thursday and then Friday, and then Saturday, the championship games on Saturday. So after the first games on Thursday, you had four teams left. You had Toledo, Akron, Ohio and Kent State. So the semifinal games happen. Akron defeats Toledo, which haha Toledo, number one seed. Yeah, we all knew you were a paper tiger. Nah. You know, teams in the West, they just they just never seem to do well in this event. In the end, it's always the teams in the East that, that win the thing. Uh the other game was a real barn burner between Ohio and Kent State, and Kent State won this game. And following this game, uh Kent players feeling very good about themselves, celebrating and all this, and uh four of their players actually took two social media um to basically you know do their version the modern um gen z version uh, social media generation version of trash talking and they use some rather colorful language in doing so and basically telling akron hey we'll see you in the finals and we're going to beat you well the mid-american conference did not take very kindly to this and in doing so they basically ruined their showpiece event they ended up suspending four players on Kent State's team for basically conduct detrimental to the team and to the conference. And so my understanding is, is that three of these guys were not regulars in the Kent State rotation. Yeah, Only one of these guys were. but He was suspended for the first half. Honestly, okay, so basically what you're doing is you're taking, and some of them are only suspended half the game, but... You're taking four players, a third of the team's roster, basically out of the rotation, out of the game plan for this game, and you're doing it just hours before the game. Before the biggest game of the season, with the NCAA tournament on the line. I think this was just downright reprehensible that the conference did this. This really just shows a huge... A lack of understanding, a lack of empathy, a lack of compassion in a lot of cases for the fact that these are 19 and 20-year-old kids. Dan, how much immature stuff did you do at 19 and 20? Because uh, I did a bunch. A bunch, but I don't subscribe to that thinking at all because you do something that's immature, there's going to be consequences for it. And again, I don't. to be honest with you, and I I don't mean to throw a whole torpedo in, into no go for it because I I, I I I thought you were going to go this way go for it I don't think this had one iota uh, to decide the outcome of this game oh my the one guy that actually played missing one half is not going to make up for losing the game by twenty points and that's what happened I mean Akron jumped all over Kent and they had no response I I was not surprised in the least at how this game went um, oh I don't think they jumped all over him I mean the game was within ten points in the first half most of the half. They only blew him out at the end. I don't think this had much. I don't think this had anything to do with the outcome of the game. I'm just being completely honest with you. I thought that this. 
I thought that this payback by Akron to Kent was set in motion uh, a few weeks earlier. And by the way, this is not the first time that Kent State has has acted a, a fool against Akron this season. Just a couple weeks pro- uh, previous at the jar, they they won the game at the buzzer and they just went over to the Akron student section and were just causing a complete ruckus of of everything. Just not 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 waving to them from their bench. They got like between me and you, it's close to the Akron student section. I'm honestly surprised there wasn't a brawl between players and fans. Kudos hmm. to the Akron fans for for keeping some sort of decorum. I mean, yes, they were probably saying a lot of things that weren't nice and they were flipping them off and all that, but nobody went out of the court or anything like that. Um, in, in my opinion, Kent State had this coming. Hmm. For how they acted versus Akron a few weeks prior, and, I mean, some of the some of the things... Listen, if if that video that they put out was just... F Kent, F Kent, blah 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 blah, or F Akron, F Akron, blah blah blah. Fine, but they were they were purpose they were they were putting on specific guys' names on the Akron roster, like like their best player Ali Ali. They were saying F Ali Ali, F Ali Ali. Just, I don't know. So okay, so in your opinion, it's it seems like in your opinion this rose to much more than just trash talking. Yes. Okay, hundred percent. Listen, listen. I, I I'm not naive to think that this this sort of stuff doesn't happen in every single locker room uh, after a big win or something like that. But for you to put it on social media, I mean, come on. I don't care that you're 19 or 20 years old. Just come on. You want to take a video of it? Fine. To pass it around to teammates and you know other people around Kent. Fine. But if you're gonna go on Instagram Live and do that kind of crap, you you, you got what you got coming to you. I find that the Mid-American Conference is highly parochial, is a little bit um, traditional, perhaps in some cases a little bit backward in the way they run. I have a very hard time believing that if this was the Big 12 or the SEC or even the Big 10, that the, that their leagues would have had this kind of a response. Now, maybe maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe they would have. But um, again, it's, it's com- just a big, real really big pill to swallow for both the league and for the schools involved to to basically make this move when they did it i mean when else were they going to do it well my opinion would have been to just let it go and mm. deal with it after the season that my, that would have been my 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 opinion is if they let those players and again the one played so this kind of throws a hole into my argument because the one actually did come back and play in the second half if those players played in the game or around the bench or anything, I think there would have been a brawl in that game. Really? 100%. You got to remember that, you know, we like to think that BG Toledo is the biggest rivalry in the conference. Not in basketball, it isn't. Akron and Kent State, I mean, I'm talking overall, like the hate that in the football, hate that the, it certainly is. The hate that the two schools have for each other. You could make an argument that Akron and Kent is just as big, if not bigger. Like oh, you said, absolutely. like you said, bigger in basketball for sure. These kids don't like each other. And I think if Clearly you not. if you were to put the guys that were featured on this quote unquote diss video or whatever, I I really do. I I really think there could have been a brawl. Now, with the guy that came back and played, I think at that point Akron kind of already was kind of sniffing the hardware and was like, This is our chance. We're oh, gonna go to the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. They so were. at that point they didn't care. But 
And even and even I, I think you could have had something maybe in pregame warmups. You know, a lot of times you see it in football where guys are warming up and, you know, you got both teams come together, like in the entire teams. I think you could have saw that on the court. And to me, that would have been a bigger black eye than what than what the punishment. So, uh, in other out. words, you, you, in your estimation, the, the conference's brass was trying to figure, okay, what's worse, having something happen on the court or just taking these guys out of the equation beforehand? And what's the likelihood that there was going to be bad blood on the court? Yeah, I think, and I think especially because, as we talked about, um, three of these four guys don't play. Like, it's not like they were taking starters off the floor for Kent. They did one, but again, he only missed the first half. And mm. I don't think him missing the first half had anything to do with the outcome of the game, in my opinion. Mm. But, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we're not always going to agree during this segment. Uh, we did last week, obviously, yeah. with Calvin Ridley, but, uh, for sure. you know, that'll be that. Do you hear this? It's bracket time, baby. Steve and I are going to go through our brackets, and we have started. It's time. I got to kick you out of my house just for doing that. Bruce Buffer sucks. Anyway, uh, we are going to fill out our bracket live on it. Well, live for us, but you're hearing this later on tape delay. Uh, we'll still our hear LLTL it before bracket. Thursday at noon, hopefully. That's right. And if you're interested. Uh, send us a DM on uh, social media uh, if you want to get in on the uh, LOTL uh, bracket challenge for the NCAA tournament. So let us quickly do this as we are already going long on time in this episode. I was kind of worried about that, but that's okay. We're going to go through uh, our brackets. And how do you want to do this? Do you want to complete each region let's, at a time? Let's, or, let's complete each one. Or do you want to yeah. go all the first-round games? Let's um, Let's go – Oh, boy. Uh, let's go by the regions. Okay. Yeah. So we're starting the and West. Then we'll collect at the Final Four. We'll start in the West. All right. Gonzaga, Georgia State. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> easy. <laughs> Zags. Yep. Uh, we got Boise State, 8-seed Boise State, 9-seed Memphis. Give me Boise. Yeah, I'm going to go against you early here. I'm going Memphis. Okay. 8-9 is really a coin flip for the most part. UConn, the five seed, New Mexico State, the 12. New Mexico State's 26 and 6. They had a really good season. Um, ah, 5 12 is kind of a difficult one, too. I'm, I'm going to go with UConn, though. See, I think I think this, you know, there's a 12 5. There's a 12 5 upset in almost in every tournament. I'm, oh, there's I think at least this is, one. I think this is the one. UConn has not been playing well yeah, as of late. I like New Mexico State here. I can't blame you for making that call. Uh, four seed Arkansas against uh, thirteen seed Vermont. Give me the Catamounts. Yeah, I'm going to go against you again here. I these teams out of the SEC they they never seem to go far in the tournament. I I just four seed eight losses for Arkansas. Ah, boy, I don't know. Six I, seed Alabama against uh, we don't know yet the playing winner between Rutgers and Notre Dame. Is that going on tonight? Yes. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, March 18th. No, that's tomorrow. No, that's – no, March 18th is Friday. Friday. Oh. That's when, that's when this game is played. Okay, so if they're playing Friday, then that means the play-in is tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Alabama versus Rutgers and Notre Dame. Alabama was 19-13. and 13. Yeah. How in the world did they get a sixth seed? I don't know. Give me the play-in winner. I, I'm going anti-SEC on a lot of these. I'm just telling you now. 
I'm going to guess that no, Rutgers was 18 and 13. I don't think they deserve to be in the tournament. I'm going to say Notre Dame wins the play in and they're going to move on. I'm going to take Bama. All right. We're going against each other. This in is a lot crazy. Of like, we're not picking any of the same games here. Uh, three seed Texas Tech, 14 seed Montana State. Tech. Yeah. Going with TT there. Uh, seven seed Michigan against 10 seed Davidson. That's Michigan State. Michigan State, my bad. Well, and, I was good. Uh, go and ahead. And yeah, Michigan State has 12 losses. Davidson is one of the better mid major teams in the country. They only went 27 and 6. Give me Davidson. <sighs> Give me Sparty. <laughs> I know Michigan. <laughs> I know Michigan State has twelve losses, but it. I originally said this was Michigan. If this was Michigan, I would have picked Davidson. Michigan State is a tourney team. They are, but they're not immune to upsets. They got beat by Middle Tennessee State a few years ago as a two seed. This is true. And speaking of two seeds, Duke against uh, Cal State Fullerton. Duke has lost to a 15 seed <laughs> prior to this, Lehigh. But we, I, I, I don't I think we're going to be against on this one. Nah, I, I can't go with the Gauchos on this one. We're All right, so uh, you have Gonzaga-Boise. I have Gonzaga-Memphis. Yeah, so give me Gonzaga here. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have we completely opposite matchups <laughs> here. <laughs> All right, you give yours. I Well, let's see here. I'm, go, I'm going with... Boy, I could even see Vermont beating UConn, but I'm going to go with UConn here. Games being played; these games are being played in Buffalo, by the way. That's a big advantage for UConn and Vermont. That's part of my thought process there. I've got New Mexico State and Arkansas. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Arkansas. All right. All right. I got Texas Tech over Notre Dame. Uh, I'm going to go Texas Tech over Bama. And how about this, folks? Davidson defeats Duke. Yeah, good luck with that. I'm going to go Duke uh, Duke over Michigan State. Goodbye, Shashevsky. No magical <laughs> tournament run for you in your last go. Yeah, run. right. All right. Uh, your Sweet 16 matchups. So Gonzaga versus UConn, and Gonzaga's going to win that. Yep. I got Gonzaga, Arkansas. I'm taking the Zags. I have Texas Tech against Davidson, and I guess Texas Tech is going to win that one. I've got Texas Tech against Duke, and this is when I'm taking Duke out in the Sweet 16. Okay. Wow. So after a completely ridiculously different first two rounds, <laughs> we the same we've got the eight. same teams making it out, and Gonzaga is, in my opinion, is the head and shoulders the best team in that region. So I'm. I agree. I got Zags in the Final Four. Yep. All right. Okay. Right, Heading you, now to the East. The East. Go ahead. So we start with Baylor versus Norfolk State, and Baylor defending national champion. We'll have no trouble there. They're playing in Fort Worth, Texas, by the way. Uh, North Carolina. I'm assuming that's who you're going with, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. North Carolina versus Marquette. Ooh. And I'm going with Carolina because Carolina's playing very well yeah, right now. So I agree. I like North Carolina. Yep. Uh, St. Mary's is going against the play-in winner of Wyoming against Indiana. Uh, I don't think that match matters. I'm going to go with St. Mary's. Agreed. And then UCLA versus Akron. Well, seeing as I don't think Akron really deserves to be in there anyway, I'm I'm saying UCLA wins big. Yeah, we are we are going right down the. We are going right down I'm the not making here. Mike and Anthony happy on this episode. I gotta say. Yeah, nobody cares. Uh. Texas against Virginia Tech. Hmm. We're Texas. 
and we were going to lose in the first <laughs> round. Vatek. I agree. I agree. Give me the hoax. Hokies are playing well. They just won the ACC tournament, so like their odds there. All right, we got Perdont against the smart against kids. Yale. Hmm. Nah, give me Purdue. Yeah, give me Perdont. The aforementioned Murray State Racers going up against the Dons of San Francisco. Hmm. The West Coast Conference got three teams in this Murray year. Murray State is thirty and two. Yeah. How'd they end up with a seven? Alabama, meanwhile, lost what? 13 times and they got a better seed. Give me Murray State. Yeah, Murray State definitely. And then Kentucky against St. Peter's. Well, I think I think we all had the same. I think we had a blowout. I think we had the same ones in all these. We did. Well, we took all chalk. We didn't have any. Other than Vatek, we didn't have any upsets yeah. in that region. All uh, right. Go, okay, next round. This is where it's going to get real fun for me. Yeah. Uh, Baylor against North Carolina. Give me Carolina. Number one seed goes out in the second round. Carolina's Boy, got the hot hand right now. I'm going with them. I'm gonna stay with Baylor. I don't think I don't think I don't think this is Carolina's year. I know they're hot, but I don't think it's their year. Let me preface this by the way. I was talking to I was talking to Brett Hoyer about this earlier. I, I think I've watched about two hours of college basketball this year. So that's about as much as when, I've when, when when I'm going when I'm going yeah you know I think blah 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 I have no idea. I might as well be picking the, the colors that I like. You can almost do better doing that. Yeah. St. Mary's and UCLA. Oh, that's a grudge match. Two two teams from California. Oh, man. Uh, you know, if UCLA wasn't such a good tournament team, yeah, yeah I got to go with UCLA. This kind of stinks because I could I easily agree. see St. Mary's win this one, but UCLA never seems to go out easily. Agreed. Vatek versus Purdue. I'm going with Purdue. I'm giving Purdue the stink guy here because so many Big Ten teams get in there and they just flop. Uh, I'm going with Purdue, though. Purdue. And then down below, we have another grudge match. Murray State against Kentucky. I want to take Murray State so bad here. I'm taking them. I think Murray State has wanted this matchup for years and Kentucky keeps ducking them. Every year after year, I think Murray State wins that one. That can be all well and good, but uh, tell me, tell me this: um, does does John Morant play for Murray State still, or does he play for Memphis Grizzlies? Memphis is a nine seed, I believe. I said Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, just answer the question. <laughs> yeah, he plays in the NBA for okay, Memphis. Okay, so I'll take Kentucky. Okay. Sorry, Ryan. Regional, all right, Baylor, UCLA. Regional semifinals, yeah. Uh, for me, it's Carolina against UCLA. I'm taking UCLA. Oh, man. I'm going to take... Oof. Defending national champion against the team with the tournament pedigree. Oh, man. I'm going to take Baylor. Okay. For me... Okay, so now I got Purdue against Murray State, and I'm taking the Racers. <laughs> I've got Purdue and Kentucky. Because I have a strong feeling that Purdue's going to get upset before that point anyway. So, Well, I don't. I'm taking Purdue to the Elite Eight. All right. For me, my regional final is UCLA versus Murray State. I'm taking the Bruins to the Final Four. You might think I'm, I'm psycho. I'm taking Purdue to the Final Four. Oh, he's taking the Boilermakers. All right. Over Baylor. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, over to the South region now. We're starting off with Arizona against the winner of White State. Arizona, Giants. probably the biggest choke artist in NCAA tournament history, but I can't take them to lose here. Uh, definitely not. Wright State had a nice run in the Horizon League tournament, knocked out Cleveland State in the process. Yeah. Uh, Seton Hall against TCU. Give me Seton Hall. Yeah, I agree. Houston against UAB. Got to be Cougar High. Houston. Huh. Yeah. I'm not – I don't love it, but, yeah. Illinois against Chattanooga. And if there's another team that's almost as big of a choke artist in the tournament as Arizona, it's Illinois. Give me Chattanooga. Taking Illinois. Colorado State versus Michigan. This is not even worth a discussion. Colorado <laughs> State, without a doubt. Rams. Definitely. Michigan lost 14 times. How in the world are they even in the tournament? No idea. Terrible. No idea. Tennessee versus Longwood. That's Tennessee. Yep. Ohio State versus Loyola Chicago. This is also not a discussion. Give me the Ramblers. The Fighting Sister Jeans. I think Loyola could, is... Could beat Ohio State by 20. I, I just don't even see that game as being competitive. Villanova, Delaware. Villanova. The Buckeye Honks are not going to be happy with me for that. Yeah, not much of a chance for the fight in Blue Hens against Villanova. They're going to win that one. Arizona, Seton Hall. Uh, Arizona. You got Arizona in your yeah. matchup as well, yes. Uh I have Houston against Chattanooga. I'm taking Houston. I have Houston, Illinois. Give me Houston. All right. Colorado State versus Tennessee. Colorado State was 25-5 and five this season. Very impressive. But Tennessee is playing really well right now. They just won the SEC tournament. I like that. Yeah, I'm taking Tennessee as well. Yep. Uh, Loyola versus Villanova. Wow. This is who. This is big time. Uh, boy. If it was any other just – Garden variety two seed, I might think about taking Loyola, but Villanova rarely stumbles in these situations. So, yeah, so I'm, going, I'm going with Villanova. Uh, so I got Arizona versus. Actually, we both have. Actually, we have all four identical teams here. I yep. believe. Yep. Arizona versus Houston. Boy, you're right. Arizona doesn't usually go deep in these things. I'm taking Arizona though. Thirty-one and three. Yeah, I'm having a hell of a year. Okay, give me Arizona. Tennessee versus Villanova. Hmm. I'm taking Tennessee. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna beat yeah, Nova. Yeah, this this is this is a good one here. Um. I, you know what? Maybe hard overhead. Give me Villanova. And I'm also taking Villanova to the Final Four over Arizona. I'm going to take Arizona to the Final Four. Oh, man. So you, like, rip on them for being choked. I know. You take it to the Final Four. I, I could, <laughs> I, I, I'm not just going to pick an upset just to pick it, especially when it involves a one seed. I just couldn't find anybody that I thought would beat them. Right. I almost took Tennessee, but I'm sticking with Arizona. Yeah. Okay, finishing up in the Midwest region now. We start with Kansas versus the winner of Texas Southern versus Texas A&M Corpus Christi. That's a funeral. And, yeah, that's going to be Kansas. Uh, San Diego State versus Creighton. Two pretty strong mid-major programs here. I'm going to take San Diego State. 
I'm gonna take uh, Kawhi. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go- take I'm gonna take Kawhi Leonard over I'm, Doug McDermott in that one. I'm going with the Aztecs as well. Nothing against Creighton. I think they're a great program though. Iowa and Richmond. Ooh. Taking Iowa. Richmond is here because they won the Southern Conference title over Davidson. They're the hot team right now, but Iowa. I mean, they also made the Big Ten final. Yeah, give me Iowa. Providence against a 30-4 and four South Dakota State team. Providence themselves was 25-5. and five. South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. You know, give me the Jackrabbits. I'm on the 13-seed train this year. I got three 13-seeds winning in the first round. You're a Jackrabbit. I'm taking Providence. Oddly enough, the only 13 I don't have winning in the first round is Akron. <laughs> Go figure that. Uh, LSU, Iowa LSU State. LSU versus Iowa State. Iowa State is one of my never, never, ever, ever <laughs> teams. Never. Yeah, I agree with you there. LSU, even though they're not much of a tournament team either. Wisconsin, the Badgers going up against Toothpaste U, Colgate. Skansen. Give me, give me, give me, uh, give me the, give me Bucky the Badger. Yeah, Wisconsin. USC going up against Miami. That's a really USC's intriguing. USC's playing in the only state in the nation where if you say USC, they don't think it means Southern Cal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> South Carolina. Uh, I'm going with U dollar sign C. I think Miami was better in the yeah. first half of the season. They haven't been as good. In and uh, shout years. out, we got the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers connection. Uh, Evan Mobley's little brother, Isaiah, plays for USC. So I'm going to go with USC. And then down at the bottom, Auburn versus Jacksonville State. Give me Auburn. Yep. Okay, next round, Kansas versus San Diego State. Any chance for the Aztecs? There's a chance, but I'm taking Kansas. Me as well. Iowa versus Providence for you versus South Dakota State for me. I'm going with Iowa. Got to go with Iowa. Uh, LSU versus Wisconsin. Got to go Wisconsin. USC versus Auburn. Oh, boy. Auburn, you know, SEC team, not much of a tournament history. I always give them the stink face when I see this. Yeah. They were 27-5 this year, though. USC hasn't done much in the tournament in recent history either, to be fair. No, they they went to Sweet 16 last year, I believe. Yeah, they did. With with uh, Cavaliers Rookie of the Year Evan Mobley. Uh boy, I'm I'm going Auburn, but boy, I don't. Like yeah, those. I'm going Auburn too, but that game smells. Kansas versus Iowa. I'm gonna go Kansas. Wisconsin versus Auburn. Give me the Badgers. Yeah, I'm with you there. And then Kansas versus Wisconsin in the regional final. Uh, don't like the fact that I have three number one seeds. Kansas is tricky. You know, they they go, they are one of those teams that typically either they go to the Final Four or they get upset early, you know? I can't take, yeah, I feel like if, if Kansas, like, gets through the first couple games, they're, they're a real threat to win it all. Yeah. So the fact that I have them going to the Elite Eight, I'm going to take them all the way to the Final Four. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I, I, I I can't see Wisconsin in the Final Four. I don't know why. And also, if I took Wisconsin, I'd have two Big Ten schools in the in the in, in the, the Final Four. Four. Which I mean, I don't have one at present, so it seems like I have more of a reason to take them. But 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Kansas. Okay, so we both had Kansas in the Midwest. We both had Gonzaga in the West. In the South, you had Arizona. I had Villanova. In the East, you had Purdue, and I had UCLA. So national semifinal. You got UCLA with back-to-back Final Fours. Number one. I have oh, and Gonzaga. I have Gonzaga versus UCLA, and these two teams played earlier this year, and they went down to the final play. They met in the exact same game in the tournament last year, the <sighs> Final Four, the national semifinal. In fact, yes. Yeah. I mean, you talk about grudge match. Yeah. And Zag- and talk about grunge match grudge match Gonzaga won, won that game on a buzzer beater yeah and they might also do it again this year I'm going with the Zags I'm with you I like Gonzaga over Purdue yeah alright on the other side you have two one seeds you've got Arizona and Kansas yep meanwhile I've got the two seed in the south Villanova against Kansas I'm going to continue to surprise you even though I talk crap about them in the very first game I'm taking Arizona Unbelievable. We're both knocking out Kansas here. I'm taking Villanova. Yeah. All right, here we go. Who's winning the national title? I got two non-Power 5 Catholic schools playing for the title. (laughs) Loving that, actually. I would love to see this matchup, Gonzaga versus Villanova. Uh, And then you have, okay, so you've got the team that's won the national championship twice in recent memory against the team that's been knocking on the door seemingly forever but has never cashed in. See, here's where you almost have to get a little bit strategic because you figure a bunch of folks are going to take Gonzaga to win the national championship if you're in a pool. Mm-hmm. Not many are going to take Villanova probably, even, though, know, they, even though they probably should. Well, I don't know. Maybe don't some know that, could. Given I don't know that many are going to have the them there. Well, no, I, maybe not. I mean, some may not have them coming out of the South region. Some may not have them winning the Final Four. So it'd be stepping out on, I don't think, a huge limb, but a bit of a limb to take Villanova all the way. Um, I mean, they're just they're they're tried and true. And Gonzaga, when they get down to this final four semifinal range, they just they have a, a national championship. They didn't get it done a year ago. You know what? They're gonna get it done this time. I'm going with the Zags. Well, I'd like to have some controversy with you, but I'm going with Gonzaga as well. Rats. Number one, <laughs> number one recruit in the country, in Chet Holmgren. I think he gets it done. And, yeah, I think Gonzaga's your national champion. All right, so we agree as as far as that. Boy, it, it didn't look so good early on. We were going completely off the wall. That, first, the, that first, region. first region. But yeah. ever since then, it has kind of converged. And in yep. the end, so you got Gonzaga over Arizona, and I've got Gonzaga over Villanova. Yep. All right, so we will be posting those on our social media so you can follow along. And, again, like I said, We've got an uh, ESPN LOTL bracket challenge going, so if you want in, uh, send send us a DM on social media, and I will get you the link, and you can enter uh, with us. So uh, that is that for March Madness, and uh, we're going a little bit late on time, but I have to just cover the Browns a little bit before we uh, end the episode. Yeah, this is not just a little throw-in. This is, this is kind of important. I actually thought we were going to go to this before basketball, but... We're tracking planes. We're flying into Houston. We're ta- the, the, I said planes because the Browns took two private jets into Houston today to meet with Deshaun Watson. Um, I put up a poll, actually. Uh, Steve, go ahead and give your uh, opinion on uh, what's going on with the Browns right now. 
Um, well, since you asked, I think this day for the Browns, this day in particular, uh, Tuesday, March 15th, is very bad for the Browns and could, depending on what's going on, Houston could end up being calamitous. They lost two very important players uh, from their team from recent years today, uh, Jarvis Landry and J.C. Treader. Uh, both of them arguably were salary cap casualties, although Landry probably had other reasons to want to leave. Um, the Treader news really kind of took me by surprise. I, I did not I did not see them cutting him. Um, that's been one of our big blocks of the offensive line for a long time. And then this other side of it is, is the Browns, Seemingly going very hard after Deshaun Watson, who I'm just going to say straight up, I don't want Deshaun Watson on the Browns. I don't. Why? I think he's a bit of a head case in terms of character. Uh, I know that he's been cleared of criminal charges and everything, but like when you get that sort of stench around you, like a la Ben Roethlisberger, it's just like I, I don't even, I just don't even want you near my team. And then the other side of this is, is I don't think he's as good as everybody else is saying. I think he's, you know, it, it's always a bit of a risk when you've been off for an entire year. Now, you could say, well, it's just like being injured and just not playing, but I don't know. I'm skeptical on this whole deal. I don't think he's that much better than Baker Mayfield is. Okay. Uh, and if you give away what the Browns are planning on giving away, three first-round picks and other players, I think it's a recipe for disaster. Well... Let me, let me just your first point about uh, the Browns letting go a couple of veteran players. Um, I think anybody anybody who's followed the Browns this year could have seen these cuts coming a mile away. I mean, you you, you mentioned you mentioned the Jarvis Landry one uh, ever since they cut OBJ. So I'm going to give you credit yeah. for that. Um, I didn't really think that they were going to keep J.C. Treader. <clears throat> Treader's getting up there in age. He makes a lot of money. He didn't have any guaranteed money left on his contract. Um, they've had his replacement now for two years in Nick Harris, who didn't play very well his rookie year, but he played very well this year when he was called upon. So um, they're going to be handing the center duties over to a guy at a fraction of the cost. Uh, so not, not I, I don't really have an issue there. I agree with you that I do not want Deshaun Watson. I don't want Deshaun Watson because of everything that's around him. All of the baggage. I get it. He was not charged criminally and won't be charged criminally. But 22 different women don't just make up the same story and are telling a lie. Right. It's just not the case. Now... Sidebar, how many people could actually get away with 22 different people accusing them of the same thing? It just it just doesn't happen in normal circumstances. Well, I mean, the problem is it's it's so hard to it's so hard to prove sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, especially with a high-profile celebrity or athlete. I know this from watching a lot of Law and Order SVU. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's that. Shout out Mariska Hargitay. There's that. Uh, I mean, just go go back through, and especially in the NFL, go back through history and these cases. Ben Roethlisberger, Jameis Winston. Uh, I know Jameis Winston was when he was still in college, but uh, Jameis Winston. Um, 
you look at uh, in the NBA, you go back to Kobe Bryant, um, and there's been others. People like to people like to equate this to the Kareem Hunt situation. It's apples and oranges. It's nowhere near close. Not to the even same. remotely in the same stratosphere. It's not even in the ballpark. Um, so that alone, where I'm going to differ with you on, and I like Baker Mayfield a lot. If you've listened to this podcast, I've been a staunch supporter of Baker Mayfield for a number of reasons. I don't think he's in the same stratosphere talent-wise as Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson didn't have the baggage, I would tell Houston, and assume it, because he has a no-trade clause, so you'd have to get the okay from Deshaun Watson that he would want to come to Cleveland, which I still don't know whether the Browns were able to do or not. Um, I would tell Houston to name your price. I'll pay whatever. You want six first-round picks? Fine. So you're, so you're going with the flow from progressive postulate. Just get out the name your price tool. Listen, we haven't had a franchise quarterback in this city in 29 years. 29. Since Bernie Kosar. So you're saying we don't have one now? Well, no. I'm right. No. You think we do? This is an epiphany moment on the podcast, folks. No, it's not. I've, I've, just because I've defended Baker Mayfield doesn't mean that I think he's completely proven. I, I'm just shocked by this. I, I had always thought this this whole time you had seen him as a franchise guy, and if you're admitting now that he's not, that, there were times that, really that does. There were times that I did, but I'm also not naive to the fact that whether it was injury or not, the guy played like crap last year. True, and. If he's going to stay on the Browns, which it increasingly looks like he's not, whether Deshaun Watson's here or not, he has a whole hell of a lot to prove. Again, franchise quarterbacks don't have anything to prove unless it's can they win the Super Bowl or not. Baker, so you don't think that Deshaun Watson has a lot to prove? I think I he. Do. I think he has a lot. I think he has way more to prove off the field than he does on the field. I think that's a fair statement. Way more. Deshaun Watson, yeah, he still has stuff to prove. I mean, he's won a couple playoff games, but he's never like he's never gone to the AFC Championship game, or obviously he's never gone to the Super Bowl. So there's that. I mean, he still has that to prove. I I will I will rebut that and say he played on just as much, if not even more, of a dysfunctional franchise as the Browns have been over the last decade. The Houston Texans front office and coaching situation over the last decade has been absolutely incredibly horrible. So, like when like when Houston goes four and twelve in twenty twenty in Deshaun Watson's last year playing with the Texans, but he throws basically five thousand yards, thirty five touchdowns, and seven interceptions. How the hell did they go four and twelve with him putting up those numbers? Because the rest of the team was just terrible. My theory would be that that they their defense was terrible and they were behind in most games, so forcing him to throw the ball 40 and 50 times. More than games. likely. More than likely. But to still have that TD to interception ratio is pretty damn impressive. But the fact but the fact of the matter is is they were in those situations and he had to go out there and do it, and most of the time he did. Not winning, but he put up the numbers. Mm-hmm. So I think if you put him in a better situation, and right now the Cleveland Browns are a better situation than the Texans to the 10th degree. As far as roster goes, do they still have to add pieces? Sure, but we're only two days into free agency. They had to they have to add some pass rush because I don't think Jadavion Clowney's coming back. Um, they need to add another pass catcher, which if they keep their draft picks, I think they do at 13. If they trade it away, 
They could also sign a guy like Allen Robinson who's still out there. They could sign some other guys who are still out there. You know, there are ways to still do that. They made the big trade with Dallas to get Amari Cooper. Great or, trade, by the way. Yeah, I agree. Fabulous trade. I agree, especially with, you know, what they gave up. Now, the reason why they didn't have to give up a lot is because Amari Cooper makes a lot of Amari Cooper makes a lot of money and Dallas needed to get him off their books. But if we're talking strictly on the field, it's Deshaun Watson all day. But man, do I feel slimy and grimy and just gross about the prospect of him being my quarterback. By the way, sidebar, I had somebody who was a Dallas Cowboys fan in my lift car on Saturday yep. try to tell me that Amari Cooper was only the third best receiver on the Cowboys. Yeah, okay. That's that's because behind he's behind CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. That's because he's no longer on the Cowboys. <laughs> I I will give you maybe CeeDee Lamb, but he Michael Gallup is not better than uh, Amari Cooper. Just stop it. Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the NFL. The only thing that's held Amari Cooper back the last few years is he's missed some games due to injury. That's it. Now, the other the other end of the spectrum with this is another reason why this makes me feel gross. And I'm almost to the point now where I think that the Browns are doing this on purpose to try and facilitate a Baker Mayfield trade out of Cleveland. And that's really sad to me. Because that again, makes, that makes me even more depressed. Because now. again, this, I like Baker Mayfield. I think if, if given the right situation in Cleveland, he could have bounced back and taken us to the playoffs again next year. But I think the Browns are at the point of no return. I, I, I mentioned it this way at work to a couple coworkers. With the Browns' public pursuit of Deshaun Watson, the Browns are basically cheating on Baker Mayfield and telling him in public that they're doing it. They're like, hey, you're okay, but see that see that girl over there? She's hot. I'm going to go talk to her. Now, if you were in a relationship and your significant other told you that, you'd be pissed and you'd want out too. So I think what, what the Browns are trying to do is they're trying to get Baker Mayfield to say, get me the hell out of here, and they're, they'll, then they'll easily try and facilitate that. Knowing how Baker is, I think it'd be more likely that Emily Mayfield would say it first. Well, I think Baker Mayfield's saying it in back channels right now. From what I've read as we were doing this podcast, um, he's making it known that uh, he wants out. And uh, he... Are you looking at the same text that I am? Yeah. Baker Mayfield on Twitter? This is unbelievable that this is breaking literally right now. Wow. Like, this is real time, folks. 10.13 p.m. on the Ides of March. Baker is basically telling everybody that Cleveland will always be a part of him and Emily's story. Um, Does this mean he's being traded right now? It sounds like Baker, no, I think it's just he's, he sees the writing on the wall. He sees the writing on the wall. At any rate, I think he could be traded in the next day or two. I I was about to say that uh, it was reported that the Colts are a destination that he would like to go to if the if the Browns do trade him, which I think would be an incredible um, situation for him to go to the Colts, play in a dome with a team that has a great running game, 
has good receivers and a decent defense. I think that'd be a great situation for him. See, this is I'm like almost sad at this point. What do we what do we do? Do we do we get to read this now or do should we not? Like, yeah, let me read it. Okay. Yeah, take it away. All right, so Baker Mayfield just uh, posted this on Twitter. Uh, he he headlined the tweet by saying, "With many uncertainties, here is where my heart, where my head, and my heart is." Cleveland. The past four years has been nothing short of truly life changing since I heard my name called in the draft to go to Cleveland. This is not a message with hidden meaning. This is strictly to thank the city of Cleveland for embracing my family and me. We have made many many memories and shared growing in this process through all the ups and downs. I have no clue what happens next which is the meaning behind the, the silence I have had during the duration of this process. I can only control what I can, which is trusting in God's plan throughout, the, throughout this process. I have given this franchise everything I have. That is something I've always done at every stage and at every level, and that will not change wherever I take my next step, my next snap. Whatever happens, I just want to say thank you to the fans who truly embraced who I am and the mentality that aligned so well with this city's hardworking people. Cleveland will always be a part of Emily and my story and will always be thankful for the impact it has had and will have in our lives. Sincerely, Baker, Reagan, Mayfield. Wow. I mean, I'm not going to lie. This may sound a little bit over the top, but I almost got emotional reading that. It's a very emotional statement. I got, um, I was so excited when we drafted him. You can go back and look at my Twitter. After the first half of the Oklahoma Georgia game in the in the semifinal playoff game, what was that 2017 season, 2018? I said Baker Mayfield. Period. QB one. Period. Already knowing the Browns had the, the number one pick in the draft, they picked Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield broke the NFL touchdown record now held by uh, Justin Herbert as a rookie. Had a really rough 2019. A lot of factors that went into that. Uh, Freddie Kitchens in the lot and you know, all that stuff. Had a giant comeback in 2020. I don't care what you want to say. This kid in the second half of the season led us to the playoffs, came an inch from winning the division, and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the freaking playoffs. I don't care what you want to say. You can be cynical about it now. Hindsight's twenty twenty. all that, whatever. That kid, COVID, no, no fans in Pittsburgh, whatever. That kid beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh in the playoffs. That's the pinnacle of this franchise over the last more than two decades. Fact. The first two games of this past season in 2021, he had an 80% completion percentage. He was looking to build off of 2020, and then he tore his labrum in the in the in the second game against the Houston Texans. Nothing was ever the same from there. If you don't want to use the excuse, if you don't, it, it's not an excuse; it's a reason. If you don't want to use it as a reason that this kid uh, suffered. So poorly the rest of 2020 is because he was playing with one shoulder and the other one was freaking broken and torn. I don't I don't have anything for you. I was I was okay with the Browns considering moving on from Baker if there was a clear upgrade available. 
I always said, for me, the only ones that would be would have been available, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. The Browns are telling Baker Mayfield and everybody else that they're going after Deshaun Watson. Do I think Deshaun Watson's coming here? No. I don't think so. Oh, my. And now the Browns are putting themselves in a pickle because what are they going to do? And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you some. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing that I uh, that I realized today after they cut J.C. Treader. You know who's still on the roster? Your backup quarterback that's making $8 million next year, Case Keenum. Case Keenum. You could cut him just like you could have cut J.C. Treader with no money guaranteed. He could have been just. Out save eight million. No guaranteed con- money on contracts. That's like basically an expiring. You know what I'm. You know what I'm years. starting to think. I'm starting to think that the Browns were going to swing big with Deshaun Watson, and if they signed him, they would cut Case Keenum. I'm starting to think that the Browns are going to try and draft a quarterback in this terrible quarterback draft and start Case Keenum at the beginning of the year. Oh my god. That's where I think we're at. Oh no. And I think I think Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry are going to dig their own grave. Holy. If that's the strategy. They better hope and pray that Deshaun Watson wants to come play in Cleveland. They better hope and pray because I think you want to talk about calamitous? That's the situation that's calamitous. You talk you, you talk about you you said Deshaun Watson coming to Cleveland I would thought, be calamitous? I thought this was bad before now. Deshaun Watson not coming to Cleveland is calamitous, given this. It is now. Baker Mayfield will never take another snap at quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. And at this point, with the way that the organization has treated him, I don't blame him. I don't. And good for him for putting out that statement. He's trying to get in front of it. He's getting in front of it by saying, hey, I know what's going on. And I don't know if I'm coming back, so I just wanted to say to Cleveland, thank you. He, I think the Browns played he's, this. He's making the Browns look very, very small. I right think now. Uh, he he's basically he's calling the Browns bluff. He's like, all right, you. He's like, well, he he's like, all right, you want to go after Deshaun Watson? All right, well, whether he comes here or not, get me the hell out of here. And I can't blame him. I can't. And this isn't me backing Baker Mayfield and saying like, oh, you know, he's the he's the he's the guy to take us to the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. What I'm saying is, is I think the Browns fumbled this outside right out the gate. And if you read through the tea leaves, this is all being precipitated by Jimmy Haslam. Going after uh, Deshaun Watson, that is all Jimmy Haslam. I actually think the front office and the coaching staff who have said all offseason saying we have the expectation that Baker Mayfield is going to be our starting quarterback until last Friday when the grand jury decided that they were not going to press charges on Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Haslam said, let's go get Deshaun Watson. Here's the problem, Jimmy. He ain't coming here. You remember that Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause. There are wide-ranging reports that he wants to play in a warm-weather city. He's never played in a cold-weather city before in his life. He's from Georgia. He played at Clemson. And in the NFL, he's played in Houston, Texas. 
He's not coming here. And whether you think Baker Mayfield is the answer or not, the best chance you had at having a decent quarterback this season just basically gave you a middle finger by saying what he said in that statement. I can't believe we're here again. We are back in quarterback purgatory. And again, all that can be changed if tomorrow Deshaun Watson decides he wants to play with the Browns, but he's not going to do that. I'm sorry, he's not going to do that. I think he's going to the Saints, to be completely honest with you. And the Browns are in trouble. The Browns are in trouble. Because you have a bunch of you have a bunch of guys that are signed to contracts that last year and then the next two or three years were expecting this to be a championship window. Miles Garrett signed a max contract after his rookie contract, a five year deal, twenty five million dollars. Do you really think that he wants to be stuck in mediocrity for the next five years of that contract? No. Well, because you played this so poorly, and then you publicly flirted with a guy who's an absolute alleged scumbag, that Baker it forced Baker Mayfield to just be like, you know what, I'm out, give me out. If you're gonna if you're gonna publicly go after another quarterback, that tells me that you don't want me, so I don't want you. Get the get me the hell out. And that's where I stand on that. Bravo. Bravo, Dan. I think you just encapsulated so much of what the city is. You know, Again, this is raw news. This literally just broke as yeah. we were just starting and to again, talk about this topic. And again, this, isn't this was me, not planned in any way, shape, or form. This isn't me defending Baker Mayfield saying he's some great quarterback and that he's, the fran- he's unequivocally a franchise quarterback, blah, 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 blah. It's me saying that the Browns are going back into an area of dysfunction that we thought we left behind in the last two years. This team is now dysfunctional again. And where does it start? At the top, with the owner. 100%. If the owner would just stay out of the way, and again, this is according to reports that Jimmy Haslam is driving this Deshaun Watson thing. Even if there weren't reports about it, that's this does completely reek of the whole Johnny Manziel situation all yeah. over again. It really does. Oh, boy. Well, that's an interesting note to uh, end the episode. Uh, oh, oh, my goodness. Well, we're going to definitely be talking more about this as as we go along here. But um, Yeah, the rest of this week is going to be very interesting in Berea. OIC, man. Only in Cleveland. Man, now I don't feel good whether or not we get to Sean Watson. And like you said, no. I don't think he's coming here. I think I think no him not coming is even if Deshaun Watson came here, I would feel grimy, gross about it. But at least you could say we have a quarterback and we have a chance. Him not coming here is now to me even more calamitous. Don't bring don't don't come at me and say Jimmy Garoppolo. Heh. Don't don't give me the stop it with the Derek Cars. Josh McDaniels did not go to Vegas just to trade away Derek uh, Derek Carr. Not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. What are we gonna do? Take Matt Ryan and his fifty million dollar uh, cap hit number? No. What are we gonna do? 
I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do the same, the thing that I laid out. We're going to keep Case Keenum. We're going to draft a quarterback. And I'm going to lose my mind. And oddly enough, it seems like this is what a lot of the Baker haters were advocating for. Yeah, well, for you us know to what? exactly go down this path. You know what? You get what you got coming to you. Yeah. Ball's in your court now, Baker haters. Unbelievable. Well, for better or worse, that's going to end our episode this week. We couldn't possibly end it any more wow. <laughs> ridiculous than that. Well, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, at the LOTL podcast, I'm sure we'll be tweeting out uh, all week uh, about this news. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, we will see you guys next week. So, at the LOTL podcast on social media, uh, I'm Dan with uh, with Steven, episode 202 of Living Off the Land, and we'll see you next week. You don't want to know. I want-